You see that stupid number in your checking account? It's called wasted potential. Now I'm gonna let you in on a little secret about something called a portfolio. And it's not gonna build itself, okay? Without you, it's just another number on a screen. Like a jungle full of bananas and no ape in sight. Well, I'm gonna take you to that jungle. Because in the case of these portfolios, it is gonna be up to each and every one of you. My speculative degenerates, my apes, and of course my apets, who will not hit the cell until your account either flies or flops and dies! Hello everyone, and welcome back to Always Picking Electric Securities. It's your host Alex Marku on November 10th, 2021, and on today's episode, we will be recapping the two brokerage accounts I opened up for the investing portfolio, my two practice round robins and how each game went, and then I'll be discussing some of the plans I have for this portfolio this coming Friday. Then finally, to end the episode, I'll talk about the two investing gurus that helped me discover what my investing philosophy is. Financial Disclaimer Since this is an investing podcast, I will give out the disclaimer that everything I do on this podcast has the potential to reach 100% loss. Welcome everyone to the investing segment of this podcast. Last episode I said I was going to open up the brokerage accounts Coinbase and TD Ameritrade and I did just that. Now I'm not going to spend too much time on it but I will go over some small details of what I did to the accounts. For TD Ameritrade, once I opened up my individual account and had it up and running, I had to link my checking account so I could deposit $500 into it. Then I had to set up my account for options. Now it's different for every broker, but for TD Ameritrade, I can kind of walk you through the process if this is what you're going to be using. So I'm looking at TD Ameritrade's dashboard right now, and what you're going to want to do is you go on Client Services, and from there you're going to hit General. Underneath the General tab to the right side, you're going to see that you can apply for Options Upgrade. Once you do that, you're going to have to fill out some more information so the broker can see if you apply for the Options Trading. Now, I'm going to let you know the information that I filled in. I'm not saying to follow it, I'm just letting you know what I filled in, and I was approved for options trading. My approximate annual income, I put 50 to 99,000. My approximate net worth, I put 100 to 250,000. My approximate liquid net worth, I put 50 to 99,000. And source of ongoing funds, I put employment wages. Now, in terms of the trading stuff, I'm pretty sure I just put one to two years. But I did that and I was qualified for options. Now I recommend that everyone fills this out truthfully, but not too modestly. Because if you don't get approved for options, I believe you have to wait 60 to 90 days before you can apply again. Remember, just because we have the options feature enabled doesn't mean we have to use it. It's just good to have it on hand in case an opportunity ever arises. So after that, you're pretty much done. We have our TD Ameritrade account set up. We're able to buy options, we're able to buy stocks, and this upcoming Friday, we're going to do that. Now, I also opened up a Coinbase account for the investing part of this portfolio. Doing that was a lot easier, but in order to have your account truly verified, you will need a picture ID. Once you set up the Coinbase account, they give you $5 free worth of Bitcoin. Now, it's not much, but it's kind of a cool little gift. 
And personally, once I opened up this Coinbase account, I put $250 into it just like I said I would. So as it stands, right now, I have $500 in my TD Ameritrade account, $250 in my Coinbase account, and then $250 in the MyBookie account, which puts my portfolio starting at $1,000 flat. It'd be one huge waste if all I did was just look at that $1,000 and let it sit in that account. Which is why on Friday, I'm going to be buying my first stock for this portfolio. And the way I'm going to be doing it so that anyone in the future can follow this portfolio off of this podcast is by setting a buy limit. By being able to set buy limits and sell limits, you'll see how I can be transparent on this podcast with my stock picks. So tomorrow on Thursday, I'm going to be setting a trade after hours, which for me is 1pm. Once the market is closed, I'm going to put a buy limit for GameStop at $300. I'm only going to be able to buy one share with the amount of money I have in my portfolio. Now I'm not going to be buying GameStop at the price of $300, but whatever it opens at, that's what it's going to cost me. Unless for some dumb reason GameStop opens up above $300, my trade should take place. I will let you know that this is not how you're meant to use buy limits, because typically you're supposed to set the buy limit below the current market price. So right now as I'm talking, GameStop is trading at about $206. So if I wanted to set a realistic buy limit, you would put it at $200, and then you're hoping that it hits $200, and as soon as it would, your buy limit would be triggered. That's one way you can try and pick your price in the market. But the reason I'm setting a buy limit well above the asking price is so the trade takes place on purpose the next day. You see, by telling everyone that on Thursday I'm placing this trade and Friday it happens, it gives everyone an equal opportunity to follow my portfolio and have the same cost basis as me. Now for crypto, I won't be able to provide the same options because that market's open 24-7. Instead, what I'll do is I'll just tell times that I'm going to buy all of my transactions. For example, for this portfolio, I'm going to be putting $50 into Bitcoin, $50 into Ethereum, and $50 into Doge, all tomorrow, which is Thursday again, at 4.20pm Pacific Time. Pacific Time. So between the times 4.20 and 4.30pm Pacific Time, I'll be buying $50 worth of Doge, Bitcoin, and Ethereum. And that should just about do it for our investments this week in terms of stocks and crypto. Now before I move on to the sports segment, I wanted to talk about two stocks that I said were going to have their earnings report on Monday. AMC and Roblox. Both companies had pretty solid earnings reports, but one of them wound up losing 10% and the other gained 40%. Let's discuss AMC first. Before the earnings report, analysts had expected AMC to earn $730 million in revenue and have an earnings per share of negative $0.54. Cents. AMC actually wound up beating those numbers pretty well by having $760 million worth of revenue and having an earnings per share of negative $0.44. Cents. That means AMC beat the analyst's prediction by $30 million of revenue and $0.10 cents of earnings per share. But to me, this is just fancy financial jargon. The thing that really stood out to me was that AMC was able to cut $200 million in operating cash flows. If you look at the quarter-to-quarter results, you'll notice that AMC had a net operating loss in cash flows of $385 million last quarter. 
This quarter, they only had $138 million worth of net operating cash flow. That means somewhere along the line, from last quarter and this quarter, AMC was able to get $200 million worth of cash flow from their operations. Which in their case, operations means people going to movie theaters, buying concessions, and doing anything that has to do with the movie services. So those are some of the pros that I gathered from the report. Especially when more and more places are opening up from the pandemic, it's good to see that people are going back to the movies. And that's what this shows. This doesn't mean that AMC doesn't still have an uphill battle to pay off all the long-term liabilities, but it has helped that their current assets like cash and cash equivalents have been rising exponentially. After having said all this, that does not mean AMC's earning report, which I viewed was positive, reflected in a good stock price. As a matter of fact, AMC on Monday was about $42 and pumped all the way up to $45 before the earnings report, and then the next day on Tuesday, it dropped all the way to $39.90, which was an 11.5% drop. But if I was an AMC investor, I wouldn't sweat it too much, because this earnings report showed one thing, that this company is surviving and they're doing really well. If you look at their balance sheet, they finally have the strongest balance sheet they've had in years in my opinion. And it's about time their current assets are over their current liabilities. So now they can actually start paying off their debt and some. Now let's move on to the other stock that had an earnings report on Monday. And they had just as good of one, if not better. That stock is Roblox. Now outside of understanding that Roblox is kind of like a Minecraft where people can create games and you can pay people to play games and stuff like that, I'm not too sure what it's about. But they had a killing earnings report and it shot their stock price 42% on Tuesday. Their revenue went from $250 million to just about $510 million and their cash flows went from $800 million to $1.9 billion. And then for some more financial jargon, if you really care about it, their current assets went from 1.17 to 1.32. What this means for Roblox is last quarter, for every dollar of liability they had, they had $1.17 to cover it. But this quarter, for every dollar of liability they had, they had $1.32 to cover it. So they gained 15 more cents per dollar of insurance money, basically. But blah, 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 that's just some more financial jargon I was talking about. I think the real reason Roblox went up is because of the amount of money they put on their research and development, infrastructure and safety, and the developer exchange fees. Because when I was looking at Roblox's income statement, one thing stood out. Why did their stock go up if a year ago they technically had better profits? You see, last year during the third quarter, their profits were negative 50 million. But this year, they were negative 78 million. So technically worse. But there's a reason for that. You see, this quarter, Roblox nearly tripled down on the amount of research and development expenses. They almost doubled down on the infrastructure safety expenses. And they just about doubled the amount of money spent on developer exchange fees. Which means they double to triple down on the expenses for research and development costs, and they still had nearly the same amount of profit from a year ago. That is why I think the stock truly blew up, not because of their revenue, but in my opinion, because I think analysts are starting to wake up to the fact that people are playing video games. 
I mean a company like Roblox, who had their IPO this year, was able to triple down the amount of expenses they've spent on research and development and still have nearly the same profit they did a year ago? That's a lot of promise for the future, if you ask me. So now how did this translate to stock price? Well, on Monday, Roblox was about $75 to $80 a share, and on Tuesday, it went up all the way to $105. It started consolidating back to the $100 mark, and it closed at $109. So it went up 42%. Talk about a tale of two tapes between AMC and Roblox. But if you're an investor in either or both, I wouldn't worry about it too much, because in the long run, I think both are good companies. Now, speaking of good companies, Let's give a recap of what I'm going to be doing with my portfolio for this coming Friday. Tomorrow on Thursday, November 11, 2021, as soon as the market closes for me, which is 1 p.m., I'm going to place a trade for GameStop, one buy limit for $300. What's going to happen is Friday morning when the market opens for me at 6.30 a.m., if GameStop is under $300, the trade will take place. Then I'm going to take about a three hour nap, probably not, but I'm going to take about a three hour rest and at 4.20 p.m. I'm going to put $50 into Doge, $50 into Ethereum, and $50 into Bitcoin. And that's at Pacific time. On Friday, I'll let this podcast know what my cost basis was for these coins. Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in. And until next time, ape out. A nice warm welcome to my degenerate family and everybody else to the gambling section of this podcast. Today, I'm going to go over the two round robin practice bets I had, and then I'm going to place three round robin bets that are actually going to count for this portfolio. So if you remember when I made my picks, I would pick a team and then say if they would cover the spread. On Monday, I made two picks, and I also updated my picks live as I made them on my Twitter account. But you don't need to follow me because I'm going to let you know what those lines were right now. For the slate on Monday, I had the Lakers at minus 1.5, Phoenix Suns at minus 2.5, Golden State Warriors at minus 3.5, Miami Heat at minus 2, Philadelphia 76ers at minus 3.5, and the Chicago Bears at plus 7. For those of you that aren't too familiar with betting, what this means is... The Lakers at minus one and a half would need to win by two points or more for me to win my bet. The Chicago Bears at plus seven can lose the game by seven points or less or win and I win the bet. Now, if it's an even number at plus seven and the Bears were to lose by just seven, it's called a push and you get your money back. Now that I've given you my first round robin bet ever made, let me explain how it worked and how much I won. So as stated before, what the round robin betting did is it made a combination of all the possibilities for these six options to be parlayed as two. So that means it made the Lakers to win by one and a half and the Phoenix Suns to win by two and a half a parlay and so on. Like I said, it made 15 total parlays and I only risked one dollar, which means I risked 15 total dollars. Now when I put in this parlay, it said that my total win amount could amount to $38.43. So if you think about it, $15 to $38 would be about a 100% something gain. 
but I would only get that gain if I went 6 for 6 with my picks. So how do I truly know what I earned? Well I was a little bit of a nerd and created an excel spreadsheet for this. So all I have to do is just input my bet and the odds, and then once I tell my little generator if the bet won or not, it automates the profit or loss. Just trust me bro. So how did our first bet slip do? Well I went 4 for 6. The Sixers at minus 3.5 and, and the Heat at minus 2 didn't win. Unfortunately, they actually lost their matches. The Suns at minus 2.5, the Warriors at minus 3.5 won really easily. The Lakers at minus 1.5 was a real challenge because they went to overtime. And the Bears at plus 7, I'm not really sure how that happened. Because at one point in the fourth quarter, the Steelers were up 10, I'm pretty sure, with 11 minutes left in the game. Oh, and I left out the fact that the refs were against them. But besides the fact, they covered, and they still nearly almost won the game. So by going 4 for 6 with my picks, I was able to make $6.41 by risking $15 on this 6-team round-robin parlay. That's not too bad for me, but it's not going to count for this portfolio because I only wanted to place that bet and this upcoming one I'll let you know about so you can get an idea of how I bet. Speaking of betting, we had a Tuesday round-robin because College Hoops started yesterday. Along with the college hoops, I put two NBA games in this slate. So my Tuesday round robin had Michigan State winning as an underdog, Alabama at minus 11.5, Gonzaga at minus 40, UCLA at minus 22, Tennessee at minus 35, Duke at minus 1, the Milwaukee Bucks at minus 6, and the Utah Jazz at minus 8.5. For this round robin bet, we went 5 for 8. We had the Michigan State money line, Gonzaga at minus 40, and Tennessee at minus 35 lose. Tennessee at minus 35 and Gonzaga at minus 40 were pretty close, so it's kind of sad that they lost, but it is what it is. And I don't mean those teams lost, I mean them covering the spread lost. Gonzaga won by 34, and Tennessee won by the high 20s. Oh, and our underdog Michigan State pick? That got slapped. But, by going 5 for 8, I was able to make $8.78 off of the $28 risk. Not too bad if you ask me. Now that I have two examples of my round robin betting, I'm going to use today to make a round robin bet for the actual portfolio. So today there aren't too many sports I really care about aside from just basketball, so we're going to make it just an all basketball slate. From college hoops, I'm going to choose Michigan to cover their spread and Florida State to cover their spread since they're both at home. And then I'm going to pick the Bulls, the Heat, and the Warriors to cover their spreads in the NBA. Once the lines come up, I'll make this bet and I'll place a $1 bet on it. Since there are only 5 selections made, there's only going to be 10 parlays created. I'm going to be risking $1 again, so that means for this round robin on Wednesday, there's going to be a $10 risk. Now let's move on for tomorrow, which in my opinion is a more exciting sports day. Not only do we have Thursday night football, some more NBA hoops, and college basketball, but we've also got, wait for it, FIFA World Cup qualifiers. I know most of you probably don't care, but it's match day 9 of 10, and I'm super stoked because Romania's in it and they're playing on Thursday. And just because FIFA comes around once every 4 years, I wanted to make a special round robin for it. Normally I would probably only make one round robin per day. So without further ado, I'm just going to list these bet slips and then I'll give a small little sports recap at the end of it. So for FIFA's round robin, I have Romania to win, 
North Macedonia to win, the Germany and like master game to go under five and a half goals, Sweden to cover their spread, Russia to cover their spread, Portugal to cover their spread. I have Spain and Greece to go under two and a half goals. And then the match between Slovenia and Slovakia, which is the battle of the Slavs, I think that's going to be a draw. This puts my special FIFA round robin at 8 selections, which means there's going to be 28 parlays created. Again, I'm only going to put a $1 risk amount for each parlay, which means I'm going to put 28 total dollars on this round robin bet. My second round robin bet slip of the day tomorrow, not on Wednesday, but tomorrow, is going to be the Ravens to cover their spread for football, the Heat and Jazz to cover their spread for the NBA, and then I'm going to put in Romania again to win, Croatia to cover their spread, and Spain to cover their spread. It's a bit risky putting Romania in the same bracket, but if they lose, I guess I'll be upset twice. So now that I've given you three round robin bet slips, I hope if you're gambling, you make the best out of it, and if you're not, I'm sorry if none of this makes sense to you yet. As this podcast goes along, I'll definitely progress in the sports gambling segment I take. For now, I'll probably just leave it at creating these bet slips and slowly talking about it, and then eventually I'll be providing more in-depth analysis on my picks. For the most part, if you want to know how I make my picks, I honestly just search the games and read one or two articles. I don't really put too much thought into it, so if you're wondering if I have some deep models or anything like that, I don't. Sometimes I just pick a team because I like their name. And if you're not really one to gamble, and this segment doesn't really apply to you, it really won't hurt my feelings if you skip it. Especially for the beginning parts of this podcast, because I'm going to be focusing more on how to make money off of betting rather than actually covering the sports themselves. Occasionally I'll probably throw some in-depth coverage of some sports, but for the most part, if I'm making 30 to 40 selections on any given episode, I don't want to talk about 30 to 40 possible games and scenarios. I just want to make the picks and we'll see what happens. As time goes on, I'll become a better sports analyzer. But for now, I'm just going to be handing out picks. And as I progress with this portfolio and this podcast, I'll find out how to fit in some good takes and sports chatter in between all of these picks. So let me give one last recap of the three round robins that I gave out today. The one round robin pick I made for today on Wednesday is Michigan and Florida State to cover their spreads. Then, the Bulls, the Heat, and the Warriors to cover their spread. For tomorrow's round robin on Thursday, I decided to have two since there's FIFA. My FIFA round robin is Romania to win, North Macedonia to win, Germany and Leichmaster to go under 5.5 goals, Sweden to cover their spread, Russia to cover their spread, Portugal to cover theirs, Spain and Greece to go under 2.5 goals, and then Slovenia and Slovakia to draw their game. My second round robin for tomorrow has Romania winning in it as well, Croatia to cover their spread, Spain to cover their spread, the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL to cover the spread against the Dolphins, and then the Heat and the Jazz to cover their spread in the NBA. Well, that about is going to wrap up the sports gambling segment for today. And I look forward to progressing to a day where I can start covering the sports like an analyst as well. Until then, ape out.
Hello class. I know I promised today that the lesson would be on the two investing mentors that gave me my investing philosophies, but I'm going to have to cut it short and it has to do with my planning. If that's not 100% transparent, I don't know what is. No, but seriously, I'm sorry that I can't provide you this teaching moment today, which is why I'll push this teaching moment onto Friday. I do feel really bad because I don't want to make this a habit at all on this podcast. And if you were expecting a teaching moment, I truly apologize to you. I just don't want to give you any half-assed content. And I know if I create a teaching moment right now, that's exactly what it'll be. So I'll at least give you a sneak peek into what next teaching moment's going to be. And it's going to be about the lives of Peter Lynch and Warren Buffett. I'm going to try and give you some in-depth stories, hopefully some you've never heard of yet. And then I'll explain from the readings and YouTube videos I've seen of them how they've helped shape my investing philosophy. Once again, I apologize for not being prepared and not being ready to give out this teaching moment. I feel like a little child whose mom just said she's disappointed. Not angry, but disappointed. Well, sad ape out. Have a good one, y'all. Sorry, 